Welcome to church. Today, Pastor Doug is continuing our series, Thriving in Edmonton, where he'll be talking about intentionally walking in the middle. If you're new here, we'd love to connect. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199, and we'll respond right back. I'm so glad you could join us today. God wants to change the world through all of us with the talents and abilities that you have. And this means being bold and courageous. So it's time to work hard. It's time to go back to our mission of making disciples who make disciples. And it's time to see God's glory and God's peace poured out on our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and on our city like never before. It's time to thrive in Edmonton. Welcome to church, especially you, you watching online this morning. What a beautiful spring Sunday. Uh, we're so thrilled to have everyone join us, especially if it's your first time finding us online, watching us online. Um, I'm Pastor Doug, and we're continuing our series entitled Thriving in Edmonton. And the title of my message this morning is Thriving in the Middle. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, putting on extra pounds um, but, and I've got this, this little meme, it reminded me of this meme of this cute little pug, I think he's a pug, uh, if we could put that up, and he says, finally my winter fat is gone, now I have spring rolls, and I don't know how he got up on that chair, and I don't know how he's going to get down, but it was, it was too cute to pass up, so, but really spring is quite amazing, everywhere we look At this time of year, nature is blossoming and thriving, and God created the season so that we always have hope. We always have hope. No matter how long the winter, no matter how cold the winter, we knew spring would always come. And yet nothing could have prepared us for the COVID winter that would fall on this world for almost the last year and a half. And who would have predicted the volume of pain and discouragement and chaos and and confusion that overwhelmed individuals, overwhelmed families, overwhelmed uh, society, leaving many feeling kind of disoriented. And the tragedy of lives that were lost this last year and families that were cut off and separated and people not knowing which way is up. If you think about it, schools and churches and businesses and restaurants and gyms are open, then they're closed, and they're open, then they're closed, and they're partially open and and partially closed. And how do you even move forward with a plan for your life? How do you get a haircut? Something as simple as planning on getting a haircut. So most recently, we've even been shocked by videos of pastors being arrested and taken down by police here in our own province and churches and restaurants and 
and businesses being chained closed. And all of these things could be expected to take place in a, in a communist nation but or a nation where there is no religious freedom. But here in our own nation, and for all of us, the shaking of this last year continues to rattle us to our very core. So instead of aligning ourselves with extreme views on this side or the extreme views on that side, so either pro-vax or no-vax or COVID fear or COVID denial or shut down or open up or pro-mask or no-mask or submit or resist, instead of being on this side or that side, We're looking for that radical place, that radical middle where we can release the power of God and the kingdom of God in our lives. And we are carefully and strategically walking where we feel God wants us to be so we can be a conduit of life and light and God's love for the transformation of our families and our church and our community and the world around us. So matter, no, no matter what we see going on around us, no matter the chaos, God is in the middle of all the shaking going on, and he's looking for a church that can thrive in the middle, that can thrive in the middle and say, we're not going to be distracted or thrown off by this or thrown off by that, but we're going to focus on the kingdom of God moving in and through our lives to touch the world around us. We feel God has positioned us in the radical middle where we can thrive. And one small point of of clarification, there are instances in the Bible throughout history where Christians stood up against tyranny or they stood up against the rulers of their day. And this occurred when they were ordered to take innocent lives They were ordered to worship other gods or idols. They were ordered to stop worshiping the true God or praying to the true God, or they were ordered to stop sharing the gospel. And we're also very grateful for those who stood up for God's moral principles like Martin Luther, William Wilberforce, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, and others. And furthermore, we would never judge another church, we would never judge another pastor on how they respond to what they feel God is asking them to do. Some of them have been over here, and some of them have been over there, um, but they're accountable to God and not to us for their churches. And so I hope we understand that, that point of clarification. So how do we thrive in the middle? How do we thrive in the middle? The first point is shake it up. So if you're following in your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And there it says, So be careful and do not refuse to listen when God speaks. Others refused to listen to him when he warned them on earth, and they did not escape. So it will be worse for us if we refuse to listen to God who warns us from heaven. When he spoke before, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once again I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once again clearly show us that everything that was made, things that can be shaken, will be destroyed. 
Only the things that cannot be shaken will remain. So let us be thankful because we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And then in the book of Haggai, uh, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. You know, Jerry Lee Lewis, many years ago, infamously sang a song entitled, Whole Lot of Shaking Going On. And it's very true of what we see here. When God wants to get people's attention, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and only God's kingdom will remain. And the purpose for the shaking is to take everything that is not of God, everything that is temporary, everything that we wrongly depend on, everything that takes the place of God, everything on this extreme or on that extreme, and God shakes them so that we will see the, uh, that only God's kingdom will stand. And if this morning, if we're receiving our security, if we're receiving our strength or our love or our acceptance or our... Um, any of these things that, that make us feel that we are something special, if we're receiving these things to the exclusion of God, he will cause there to be a shaking because he knows us and he loves us. And he knows that all of these other things will eventually fail us. They'll disappoint us. They'll let us down. So he shakes and reduces everything to rubble so that when the dust clears, We only see him, and then, then we can truly thrive. God is the last man standing when everything else has crumbled to the ground. Acts 4 says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God poured out his his Holy Spirit on the early church, so they had the power and the strength to take the gospel, the very simple message of God's love through Jesus' death and resurrection, that they had that power to take it to this world In spite of opposition, in spite of persecution, in spite of even death, they could not and would not accomplish their mission without his power. And so today, all of creation, this entire world is desperately waiting for the sons and daughters of God to step up, to engage the world around us. God is shaking everything so that we can be who we are intended to be, so that we can be all that we are to be in him. You know, we have our Father's DNA, and we have Christ's resurrection power in us, and the whole earth, the whole world is waiting for us to bring his love and transformation to them. So don't run from the shaking, but embrace it instead.
How else do we thrive in the middle? Avoid social media massacres. Scroll through social media and you'll see Christians commenting and arguing and fighting with each other over just about every issue. And you'll notice a huge, terrible divide, a deep chasm, like a painful scar has developed, especially since 2020, and especially in regards to COVID or to politics. You're either on this side and you're in my camp, or you're on that side and you're in their camp. And both sides hold firmly to their positions without budging, and it's causing a huge amount of division and damage. What if Christians, what if Christians, instead of being way over here or way over there, they found the radical middle and they refused to be divisive on social media? What if instead of arguing and hating on one another, We express God's love and care and concern for each other and the world around us. Jesus said in John 13, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus said that the world would know us by our love. But guess what? We're not there yet. I've seen many Christians, including leaders, post a strong, divisive, ideological opinion or something over here and over there only to find that the thread ends up leaving a horrible trail of division and destruction and hurt. Jesus and his followers' focus was not on ideology or major social issues or politics like overthrowing Herod. And sure, Jesus addressed some important social issues, but him and his disciples did it in the context of the simple message of God's love and kingdom. And him and his disciples, they were radical and subversive, and they did turn the world upside down, but it was through the power of God's truth and love and not through a partisan ideological political movement. And I'm not saying even for a second that Christians shouldn't be involved in politics or shouldn't vote or shouldn't care. We all should. But very few are called to exclusively serve in that arena. And if as Christ followers, our political ideology supersedes or replaces or shouts louder than the message of God's love, then we will end up dividing instead of uniting. Because our culture desperately, desperately needs an alternative to itself and not an echo of themselves. We're all exhausted. They're all exhausted by the division and the tribalization and the anger and the hate and the fear that we see daily that characterizes our culture today. Culture is desperately looking. People are desperately looking for an alternative of love and of hope. And it's the perfect opportunity for the church to simply be the church authentic and grace-filled, hope-bearing 
Truthful people are what our friends and neighbors need. Uh, Barna did a survey recently that showed the number one quality that nearly two-thirds of all non-Christians are looking for when they talk to someone about their faith is that they want that person to listen without judgment. So the number one quality that two-thirds of all non-Christians want to see in someone when they talk about faith is they want to see no judgment coming from that person. And yet only 34% say they know a Christian who possesses this quality. It's really sad. Imagine if the message of God's love and hope was the most important thing and we could disagree but not be disagreeable. If we could love without judgment and if we focused on what united people, not on what divided people. In a divided culture, Christians should be the radical middle, the help and the hope and not the hate. How else do we thrive in the middle? By building caring communities. Pastor Bev shared about thriving in small groups and how our goal is not to become a church with small groups, but a church of small groups so that we can genuinely and unselfishly do life together. Sharing each other's burdens, sharing each other's needs, laughing, crying, praying together, and truly and deeply caring for one another in a caring community. Acts 4 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. God has always has always transformed lives in the power of the community of Christ followers. And that is what our goal is in having a church of small groups where we learn how to integrate our faith with our everyday life and where people will feel safe and cared for. How else do we thrive in the middle? Realize the church is it. The church is it. Jesus said he would build his church, and he wasn't talking about a physical structure, nor was he talking about a man-made, organized religion. Yes, it's kind of ironic that Jesus was a carpenter, but when he said he would build his church, he wasn't referring to a physical building. The church is where all of these caring communities that I just mentioned are thriving and influencing their cities and influencing their countries and shining the light of Christ and turning the world upside down and nothing, not even hell, will stop the church. And throughout history, the devil has tried. The very first Christians almost 2,000 years ago 
Christ followers were publicly shamed and beaten and imprisoned and crucified and burned alive and fed to the lions. And today, in our present lifetime, we've seen Christians around the world that have been beaten and raped and thrown in prison and slaughtered right in their churches or beheaded for their faith. And yet, the church has endured. For years and years and years, China has tried to stop the preaching of the gospel by bulldozing churches, by imprisoning pastors, by forcing churches to join the state church. And yet the church is growing so significantly that it's estimated that almost 10% of the over a billion people there are Christians, and that by 2030, it could be the largest Christian nation in the world. And pandemics throughout history, they've swept through the earth and they've affected both non-Christians and Christians alike. And during those times, the church not only survived, but the church thrived. The bubonic plague, the Black Death, the Spanish flu, and many others killed hundreds of millions of people. And do you know what the church did during those times? The church ran in and helped when the world ran out. When the world hid, the church ran in. The church was the light. The church was the hope. And there were brave Christ followers who risked their lives to serve and comfort and bring hope to people who were abandoned and shunned by everyone else. And the church didn't die Throughout history, it didn't die. It kept going. It kept reaching. It kept loving. The church has endured and will continue to endure. Why can we thrive in the middle? Because Christ's love manifests through the church, through you and I, we are the hope of the world. How do we thrive in the middle? We date the model and we marry the mission. Now, it might sound like I'm talking about The Bachelor, where everyone's trying to date and hopefully marry the model, but this is about the fact that the time is right for new opportunities. And as we wonderfully heard from Pastor OJ and Pastor Nathan and Josh and Amy two weeks ago, that there's a, whenever there's a major disruption in the world or a major innovation, there's an incredible opportunity and an incredible harvest that follows. And if we've got spiritual eyes to see, we're going to recognize, we're going to discover, and we're going to embrace new evangelistic tools and new front doors to the church. Don't confuse the model and the mission. Don't be so attached to the model that we miss the mission. So the mission is the what. The mission is the what. What is the message? What it's all about? The model is the how. So the mission always stays the same, and it's very simple. It's making disciples who make disciples by sharing God's love and the message of Jesus' death and resurrection. And the model has changed many times over history. 
If you think about the Bible being translated into the language of the common people, or the invention of the printing press, or the invention of the radio, or the television, or the computer, or the internet, or smartphones, the model continues to evolve. And these crazy times have spawned questions for us about the model, like how can we build continuity uh, between our online audience and our in-person audience, recognizing that these certain times are going to see people moving back and forth between these two? How can we ensure we create a great experience and allow people to be part of God's presence, whether in person or online? How can we reach people for Christ no matter how they engage with us? How do we deal with the difficult fact that one week you're sitting here in a seat with us and next week you're forced to watch us from home? Well, near the beginning of all of this, we realized that we would have to have a radical middle approach, a hybrid model that was 100% online and 100% in person. And that's why we've put the time and the effort and the finances into our online mission while continuing to meet in person. Right now, the model and method we have is sowing seeds far and wide across the internet while realizing that not everyone has access to it, realizing that human contact can also not be replaced. And let me just add a clarification here. Yes, while we continue to meet in person, it's within the guidelines that have been set out for us. But if they shut down free speech or the preaching of gospel over the internet, then either the end is near and it doesn't matter, or God will find another way to get the gospel out. He has raised up people throughout the centuries to make sure the gospel is preached. Jesus said he would build his church and nothing would stop him. As we begin to wrap up, please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. So Ecclesiastes 11, 1 to 4 says, Ship your grain across the sea. After many days you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So verse 1, ship your grain across the sea. After many days you may receive a return. The context of this verse is that in the days of Solomon, if you put your goods on a boat to head out across the sea, you never knew whether it would return. You never knew if that boat would reach its destination. It was uncertain. There was a cost. It was not cheap, and it was definitely a risk. After many days, you didn't know if, if it made it. You didn't know when or if it would come back. So we've asked the same question this last year. If we send our seed out over our online ministry, will we receive a return? 
It's a risk. It's a risk that we have invested a lot in for equipment and, and new staff and thousands of hours of work and effort because it's a risk to thrive in the middle. Will anyone come to Christ through our online ministry? After all, it's not people in the seats that you can see or shake their hand in person. And yet we have seen a return. Almost all of the 14 bulbs we've had lit symbolizing new Christ followers have been because of the grain that we have shipped out across the sea, so to speak. Not knowing if we will receive a return. But we have seen a return, and it's still coming. We're calling it in, and we're seeing the harvest come in. Amen? Amen. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. This verse tells us to prepare for the future and diversify. We're not just investing in online church, and we're not just investing in in in-person church. We are diversifying. We're investing for the future. We're investing in people and equipment. And most recently for our online children's ministry. And for over 40 years we've invested in Millwoods Christian School. And we've seen a huge return. Our church, our board, our staff are all full of graduates. Full of leaders from one of our largest investments. And by the way, we're bursting at the seams. So if you have a passion, or more importantly, if you have the finances, or you know of someone looking to invest in educating and and raising up the next generation of Christian leaders, please have them come see me. We don't know what disaster may come upon the land. One thing this pandemic has taught us is that we need to be prepared because we don't know what lies ahead. Thank God that he had put in place the right people at the right time. So when we initially had to go online, we pivoted immediately. And since then, we built on top of that foundation, diversifying the platforms through which we reach people with the gospel. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Solomon is showing us that there is a cause and effect relationship between what we do in the present and what occurs in the future, between sowing and reaping. And as a, as a group of Christ followers, as a church of Christ followers, we bring living water to people. And it's a result of what we carry, of what we have inside. If we want something to come out of us, It first has to be in us. We reign what we contain. So we have intentionally taken risks. We've intentionally sent out our seed, our grain, across the waters, across the internet. We've intentionally diversified between in-person and online. With great intentionality, we filled our clouds with water, and now they're beginning to rain. Now we're beginning to see a harvest. Now we're beginning to thrive in the radical middle. God is looking for men and women to allow him to fill them up so they can pour rain 
on the dry and thirsty and cracked and broken ground of people's lives. What are we full of? Are we full of faith and hope ourselves? Because clouds never fulfill their purpose if they keep the life-giving water bottled up inside them and they don't allow it to be poured out on other people. The way you know you're full of love is that you will keep raining love on other people. The way you know you're full of hope is that you'll keep raining hope on other people. And the way you know you're full of kindness and compassion and generosity is that you keep raining all of those things on other people. You are a cloud of life-giving water, and you can't contain it to yourself. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will be. Wow. Drop the mic. That seems rather obvious, but I'm sure it's very profound. The next time your wife or your boss is upset with you and asks why you said or did something stupid, not that I would have any knowledge of such a thing myself, try saying to them, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. And then walk away like it's so obvious that they wouldn't dare ask you for an explanation. But Solomon is actually saying here that life is not about coincidences. It's about intentionality. It's about making a mark in the world. Trees don't fall in a direction by accident. They fall where they've been designed to fall. Years ago, Pastor Nathan had spent some time, uh, several months, as an arborist. And an arborist is kind of like a lumberjack who works in the city, and he was trained to properly cut down trees. However, prior to that time, prior to that valuable knowledge, we had two trees to cut down in our own backyard. And these were real big 40-foot-tall pine trees that would have to be cut halfway up, and then they'd have to be cut again at the bottom. So, you know what? I watched a YouTube video or two. I borrowed a chainsaw and a very long ladder from work, and I climbed up that ladder with chainsaw in hand. Below my wife, for some strange reason, expressed doubts and questioned my ability to accomplish this seemingly easy task. Also, Nathan and Jillian and Brittany and my 84-year-old father held a long rope that was to help the tree fall in the intended direction. I notched the tree with the chainsaw while yelling for them to pull. The top of the tree hesitated and then gently toppled into our yard. Ha! I looked at my, life, my wife with a look of triumph. One down, one to go. The next tree, considerably closer to my neighbor's new fence, minor detail of course, proceeded much the same way until I yelled for them to pull. And for some strange reason, the top of the tree hesitated and then headed straight for, yes, the neighbor's new fence, yanking the rope and the rope pullers with it. It was fortunate that day that our neighbors had decided to be away. 
And that gave us several hours to remove the top 20 feet of the tree from their yard and to repair the fence. Months later, Pastor Nathan would be properly trained in how to, with intentionality, actually have a tree fall where it was supposed to land. So with great intentionality, we have set out to thrive in the middle, to be 100% committed to thrive online and 100% committed to thrive in person. And that is where we have landed. That is where we have had 14 people come to Christ this year, so close to the one per week that we are shooting for. Number four, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. If we'd waited till things had returned to normal, if we'd kept our eyes on the chaos, the fear, the uncertainty, we would not have planted seeds. And if we had not planted seeds, we would not have reaped a harvest. Some people keep saying that once this happens, or once that happens, or once the virus is completely gone, once society returns to 100% normal, then we'll engage. Then we'll be good to move forward. But God is saying, don't wait. Now is the time to move forward. Stop looking at the circumstances. Stop looking at the wind. Stop looking at the clouds. Now is the time to bring in the harvest. Now is the time for us to be thriving in the middle because the world is depending on us. The band can go ahead and come on back up. And in closing, I want to share a story that was shared with us, uh, with us pastors, and it's an incredible example of how one of you of how one of you decided that you were going to not look at the wind, you were not going to look and focus on the cloud, but by faith and in obedience, you were going to sow and see an amazing harvest. So this young grandma from our church was at the park with her grandkids when she intentionally went over and started a random conversation with the mom who was there with her kids. In the conversation, she made a very innocent comment about God, which caused the mom to ask her whether she believed in God or not. The mom, who drove a school bus, said that until a month ago or, a month ago or so, she hadn't believed in God. But one day she was driving through a construction zone and suddenly, a construction worker was in front of her and she would have hit him and likely killed him if something unseen hadn't pushed him out of the way. The expression on his face clearly showed that he was shocked at what had just happened. And she had never had a conversation about God before. And this one lasted a long time and covered many different areas where she had a lifetime's worth of questions. And our young grandma from our church listened and answered with love and with grace and with patience. <clears throat> she also told her that if she wanted to know who God was, all she had to do was ask him to show her. They spoke several more times at the park over the next few weeks and months, 
and the mom had said she would and the mom had told the grandma she would love to read the Bible but felt overwhelmed by the size and the difficult language of it but our grandma had a modern easier to understand translation of the New Testament in her car and one particular day which just happened to be the day after the mom asked God to show her who he was she felt an urgency to give this Bible to this mom inside was also a pamphlet explaining God's plan of salvation and a spiritual birth certificate to be filled out when a person became a Christ follower. Just this week, she sent a picture of the mom having filled out her spiritual birth certificate, indicating she made the decision to follow Christ and would eventually like to be baptized as well. Amen. That is why we have another light bulb on this week. It was because one of you decided that you wouldn't get distracted over here or wouldn't get distracted over there, but you would thrive in the radical middle, that you would thrive where God has placed you. Amen. Let's stand this morning. This morning, maybe you're, um, you're here or you're watching Online, especially if you're watching online and you said, man, I've been stuck in, in, on this side or I've been stuck over here or I've been distracted here or there and, and I haven't seen God in, in the middle of all of this. My world's been shaken, but I haven't turned to God. I haven't relied on God. This morning, I want to give you that opportunity to invite Jesus Christ into your life, into your world, into your situation. So bow your heads with me this morning, and if you're here in person, you can quietly repeat after me. If you're watching at home, please repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I want to change today. I don't want to be stuck in my past fears and failures. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying and being resurrected for me. Please come into my life and my world today. Give me a brand new start. If you pray that today for the first time, or you want help in any area of your life, you feel like you're over here or over there, and you're being shaken and distracted, and you want Jesus Christ in your life, you want more information, if we can help you on your journey, please text LIFE to 587-323-1199 and we'd love to come along with you on your journey. Thanks for joining us today. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.